Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just thank you and bless you for your word. We thank you for all these amazing things that are happening. Thank you for this season of birthing prayers. We gather together three times a day corporately and, and in between uh, in our own uh, individual prayer, prayer time. And we're just birthing your will, birthing your plans, birthing your purposes, O oh God. Father, we say let your will be done, O oh God, in our lives, O oh God, in our families, in, in, the, in the church. Uh, in the nation, let your kingdom come, Heavenly Father. And Father, please breathe upon your word uh, as we share your word, O oh God. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 This season started from what, was, what we received as a prophetic word to us out of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verses 18 and 19. Um, in that scripture, the Bible says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Uh, God says, I will do a new thing. And, and, and that is really the key. What is God doing? He is doing a new thing. He wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to do a new thing in your family. He wants to do a new thing in the church, Jesus' house. He wants to do a new thing in the body of Christ in the United Kingdom. He wants to do a new thing in the nation. Uh, and I think it's that, that phrase, a new thing, that we must grasp and embrace. You know, uh, in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20, um, when Jehoshaphat wanted to encourage the children of Israel to believe the word of God, he lays down what is, what is in a sense a principle. He says, believe the Lord and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Now, it's really believe the prophetic word. It might not have come from a prophet, but it, as long as it has the spirit of God on it and it's a prophetic word, the, the way to cause that word to bear fruit in your life is to believe that word. And so I hope you have embraced this word. It was given to, to us by God. We are certain about that. It came out of the place of prayer. God says, I am doing a new thing. And I just want to share some things around what God is doing. Number one, it's a new thing. And I want you to Think about that, that God says he's doing a new thing. It means that it's something that has not been done before. It means that it's something that you have not experienced before. It means that it's original, it's fresh, it's novel. In character, it's probably imaginative and creative. It certainly will be unprecedented. It's unusual. It tends to be unusual. 
Sometimes it can seem experimental. It definitely is unfamiliar. God is doing a new thing. Nothing wrong with all the, all, all the old things. Nothing wrong with things that are not new. Of course, those things continue in certain areas of our lives. But God speaks a prophetic word to us and says, in your life, I want to do a new thing. In your family, I want to do a new thing. In the church, I want to do a new thing. In the nation, I want to do a new thing. When God says a new thing, he doesn't mean something that is rehashed or something that is refurbished. Nothing wrong with that. But he doesn't mean something that is reconditioned. He doesn't mean something that has had a makeover. He doesn't mean something that is overhauled. He means a new thing. So let's open up our hearts, our spirits to receive this new thing that God is doing. In Mark's gospel, the second chapter, verses 21 and 22, and I, I, I read from the Passion Translation. Um, this is what Jesus said. And who would mend worn-out clothing with new fabric? When the new cloth shrinks, it will rip, making the tear worse than, than before. And who would pour fresh new wine into an old wineskin? Wine Eventually, the wine will ferment and make the wineskin burst losing everything. The wine will be spilled and the wineskin ruined. Instead, new wine is always poured into new wineskins. I pray God will help us to create the new wineskins that will receive the new wine that he's pouring into them, the new things that he's doing in our lives. I, I pray that our hearts will be like new wineskins, eager to receive what God is doing in our lives. I pray that as we stay in the place of prayer, we will create new wineskins for our families where God can pour in the new that he's doing because God says he is definitely doing a new thing. So why don't you embrace it? However that is, however that applies to you, God, his spirit will make it clear to you. This is the new thing that God is doing. And whatever the spirit of God says to you is the new thing for your life. Embrace it. Believe it. Hold on to it. Hold on to that word. And whatever he says is the new thing for your family. You're standing in the gap for your family. Embrace it on behalf of your family. And as a church, we open up ourselves to whatever God is doing that is new. And isn't it, isn't it interesting that we are coming into what we call a new normal? Then things can exactly be how they were before because it's a new normal. So God, of course, will do new things in that new normal. And we are believing that we will see new things in the nation in the name of Jesus. Number two, he paints a picture of the new. And that's one of the things I love about the Bible. It leaves you in no doubt as to what God is saying. Uh, in very graphic terms, pictures are painted, metaphors are used that help you understand what God is saying. So when God says, I will do a new thing, what does this new thing look like? Of course, it will differ from person to person, family to family, nation to nation, church to church in, in, in certain instances. But then we can have a general picture from what that prophetic word says. It says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A road in the wilderness. Very graphic 
picture, graphic metaphor. It means that a way will be made where there was no way. And so someone dared to believe God where there was no way that God will make a way. Make a way in your life. Make a way in your family. Make a way for the church. There are certain things we are believing God for. And it looks like there is no way. But with this word from God, we believe that God is going to make a way for us in Jesus' house. Make a way for the church in this land. And make a way for the nation. It means that a road in the wilderness, it paints a picture of God doing the impossible because how does a road suddenly appear in the wilderness? It would seem impossible. Why don't you open up your heart and believe that as we birth the new, God will do the impossible. He will turn things around in a way that can only be him. He encourages us, Jesus, the Bible encourages us to believe that God can do the impossible. That was the testimony of the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The angel told her, with God, nothing shall be impossible. It had never been done before that a woman who hadn't had a sexual relationship would, have, would become pregnant. But the word came from God. She believed the word. She was told it would be unto her as as. as by, by the way that she had believed. And as she believed the word, she was encouraged that the impossible will happen. Will you dare to believe that the impossible will happen in your life, in your family, that the impossible will happen in, in the church? I'm believing God for some amazing things to happen in Jesus' house. I'm believing God for a harvest of souls like we have never seen before for the church in the United Kingdom. Someone might say to me, it's impossible by the statistics. I would say to that person, you don't know the God that I serve. He is the God of the impossible. A way in the wilderness means overcoming obstacles and breaking down barriers. I pray as we birth this new, that will be your portion, that barriers and obstacles will be, we will overcome obstacles and barriers will give way because God has said. A way in the wilderness would mean long-standing problems being resolved, things that just haven't gone away in families. But as we stay in this place of prayer, and birth the new, people will have testimonies that long-standing issues have been resolved. A way in the wilderness is a graphic picture of a pathway to a destination. And so I'm excited that God is going to create a pathway for us to get to the destination. The things that we have held on to believed him for, believed him for in this nation. A pathway to get to that destination. A pathway for your family to get to that destination. God is making a way in the wilderness. And when he speaks, paints the picture of rivers in the desert, we get the picture, it's very clear. The, the barren becomes fruitful. The dry and patched starts to blossom. It paints a picture of a refreshing. And so I know for, for you, as you stand in that place of prayer, I know that whatever was barren will give way and start to bloom and blossom and become fruitful because God says rivers in the desert. It was arid and dry, but it is going to change as the Spirit Spirit of God pours himself out upon it, upon that circumstance and that situation in your family, in the church, in the nation, things we have prayed for in the nation. I sense we are entering a season of answered prayers for those who have been traveling for, for this nation. When it talks about rivers in the dark, in, in, 
rivers in the desert, it paints a picture of something that brings life to, to those, those situations and those circumstances. When you think of rivers in the desert, you think of plants and trees growing again. You think of fish and all kinds of sea, sea creatures swimming in the rivers. What you think about is life, something pulsating, something throbbing. I want to declare to you that we believe that life, life is coming back to things that have died. We are praying for the life of Christ to flow through the church into the nation. We are praying that life, that throbbing, pulsating life of the Spirit of God is coming to our families and to your life. When you think about rivers in the desert, you think about how multiplication starts to take place because once the trees grow, the trees drop their seeds, the seeds become other trees and multiplication takes place. And so we believe that as we birth the new, we're entering a season of multiplication where God will do a quick work, an acceleration that is coming our way. And you know, when you think about, when you think about this picture of rivers in the desert and you think about him making a way in the wilderness, you are excited by what God is going to do. I, I want to say to you that as I participated in these birthing prayers, I have thought about a child being born and I have thought about that joyous cry that the child lets out once the child, child comes out. And I know that the sound of rejoicing is coming our way as we praise God for what he has done in this season. Number three, the challenge of the old and former things. As human beings, we value safety. We prefer the known to the unknown, the familiar to the unfamiliar. And the truth is, a lot of times, we will stay in that safe zone, in that familiar place, in that known place, but when we search our hearts, the reason is really because we are afraid of entering something that is not familiar, something that we don't know, something that we're not used to. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, the disciples are crossing a lake. And the Bible tells us that in the fourth watch, Jesus walks across on the water, on the sea, to meet them. And I take that, that story from the 25th verse, Matthew 14, verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And of course, you know what happened. Jesus saved him. Now that's, that's a story that, that brings home the challenge. The disciples were in the boat. I can presume that all 12 of them were in the boat. They saw Jesus walking on the sea towards them. Initially, they were afraid because it, it was a new thing. It was unprecedented. They had never seen a thing like this. Jesus walking on the water. 
You would have been afraid. I would have been afraid. What exactly is this? But then, as they cried out in fear, the Bible says immediately, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. That's constantly happening. The moment a child of God cries out in fear, there's a response from heaven to try to, to say to us, don't be afraid. God is in control. And I want to say to someone who's listening, I don't know what you're going through that is bringing fear. Don't be afraid. That's the word from God. God is in absolute control. He says, don't be afraid. And then Peter answers him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on water. If it is you, Lord, then encourage me to do something new. Give me a word that I can hold on to. And I'm sure you've got a word for yourself. If you've been praying with us by now, you will have a word for yourself. You'll have a word for your family. I have a word for this church. I have a word for this nation. God has told me that, 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 that the sound of the abundance of rain that I have heard that rain is going to fall. I'm holding on to that. And I'm like Elijah in that place of prayer saying, Lord, you told me that rain will fall. You told me I will see a revival in this nation in my time. You promised me that, Lord. I'm holding on to it. He said to Peter, he gave Peter a word. The word was simple. Come, the Lord said. I pray the Lord will give you a word in this season, a word that you can hold on to because God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should change his mind has he said it and will he not do it if God says it we can hold on to it knowing that God will do it come he says to Peter and when he says that there are 12 disciples in the boat but Peter asked for the word sought the word read his Bible that would be the case for you and I studied the word of God meditated on it and one day the spirit of God breathes, breathes on the written word and it comes alive and it's a word for you come he, he heard the Lord Jesus say and once he said that Peter came out of the boat and actually walked on water unprecedented new exciting Peter was walking on water. I want to say to you that as God speaks his word and we embrace it, starting with the word he spoke at the start of the year out of Jeremiah 29 verse 11 and going on to this word that he has brought out of Isaiah 43 verses 8 and 9. As you hold on to it, I pray that you will enter the new. Uh, you will, like Peter, do something that you've never done. Receive something that you've never received. Experience something that you've never experienced before. And you know, sometimes the challenge of the old and the former are actually spiritual strongholds. They are spiritual forces. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against an organized hierarchy of wickedness, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness. That's what Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, that there is an organized hierarchy of unseen forces that wants to resist the Christian, stop the Christian from, from, from moving forward. I remember the story of um, uh, uh, a, a lady who, 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 who started out life um, living in a, a hostel. And nothing, nothing wrong with that. But then after many, many years, she felt it was time to move on. She, she'd got a job and she wanted to buy her own place. And this is a true story. The lady told me the story herself. But she said she felt that there was 
a lot of resistance. It just didn't seem to come together. Things were not working out. It was falling through. And she just couldn't understand what was happening. And then one day it dawned on her by a revelation that she was being resisted spiritually. And she, tell, she told me with great, we laughed about it, how on one night she just literally entered a place of warfare. She said like a crazed woman, she was laying hands on the walls and saying, you've got to release me, you've got to release me. I think if people had seen her, they would have thought this woman was nuts. Now in the natural, it might seem like she was a bit funny, but I assure you that she was dealing with spiritual forces. How do I know that? Because shortly after everything fell into place, she moved on from there, bought her home, bought another home, and, and I know that she's moved on from there. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there are sometimes spiritual forces that are resisting you. They want to trap you in the old, hold you down. They want to make sure that you don't move into the new that God has for you. And you must discern by the Spirit of God if that's the case. And then you must combat, you must stand against those spiritual forces and declare that you are free and you are released. Sometimes it's mental strongholds, just things in our minds that tell us that we can't, you, you won't, uh, you, you, there's no way you can, not someone like you. Things that tell us in our minds that we are not who Christ says we are, that you're a failure, that, that, that you're, 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 you're destined for failure, that, that you, you, you can't even think about a thing like that. Things in our minds that remind us about mistakes we have made, whilst God has forgiven us, but the enemy wants to play that song in our mind on repeat, that this is who who you are. You are not destined for what God has purposed. That's why the Bible says in, in Proverbs 4 verse 23, the Passion Translation, so above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flow the, flows the wellspring of life. You see, we have to align our minds with the Word of God. We have to break down any mental strongholds that are trying to tell you you can't, you won't, you're not qualified, you're not able to. Why should it come to your family? Why do you think this is going to happen to the church? How dare you imagine this is going to happen in the nation? We must align our minds with the Word of God. You see, Peter walked on water and experienced the new because he heard the Word of God come and he obeyed the word of God by stepping out. If God has said to you, come, then by faith step out, trusting God, believing God, knowing that if God said, then God has you covered. If God said for your family, then God has your family covered. God has said for the church, God has the church covered. God has plans for this nation. We dare to believe him. Despite whatever others might say, despite what the statistics might say, we believe him that what he has said to us concerning this nation will come to pass. Align your mind with the Word of God. That means, of course, the studying, the reading, the meditating, and the confessing of the Word of God. And of course, there's the challenge of success. Because when we think of the old, we tend to think that it's something we want to get away from. But sometimes it's the challenge of success. It worked well. It's comfortable. It's successful, but God says, I want to do a new thing. But then, because it has been successful, comfortable, it has worked well, we then tend to want to just sit there. 
We don't want to go into the new. We, we are, we are, we're at home where it is. It's like an old pair of shoes. We might have the new ones, but this old one fits well, and we want to wear that all the time. You know, one of the prayers I was praying the other day was that I should not get held bound by what has worked in the past so that I can release myself to embrace and receive and go into what God has for the future. Number four, we need a guide. We must have a guide. It's a way that we've never been before. If it's new, then it is new. You've never, we've never experienced it before. That's why God gives us a guide. John the 14th chapter, the 16th verse, the Amplified Classic. And I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another comforter. And the Bible goes on to break down what that comforter does, another, or who he is, another counselor. And don't we need counsel on this journey? Don't we need someone to give us advice? Another helper. Don't we need help on this journey? Another intercessor. Of course we need an intercessor. Because like the Bible says, we don't know how we should pray as we ought. A lot of our praying over the last week we have, we have spent time just waiting on the Spirit of God so that he shapes the prayer and he, and he directs us as to how we pray. Another advocate, someone who can speak on our behalf. Another strengthener and another standby. That's why the Bible says in Romans, the 8th chapter and the 14th verse, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's the Passion Translation. The more traditional translation will say, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, the children of Israel, there's a graphic picture that drives home this point. As they were heading towards the promised land, they were almost there. And we've been on a journey into God's promises for a year. They were just about to cross Jordan and listen to the instructions that were given to them and, and these instructions should, should challenge you to do the same. Joshua, the third chapter, verses two to four. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. When you see the ark, set out and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. They had never been that way before. It was all new to them. It was unfamiliar to them, on an unfamiliar route, unfamiliar territory. But what was the instruction from God? Keep your eyes on the ark. And when you see the ark moving, follow the ark. Now they had the ark that was symbolic of the presence of God. You and I are so blessed. What amazing grace that we don't have an external symbol of God. We have the Spirit of God living inside us. We have to learn to listen to the Spirit, to follow the Spirit. And the way the Spirit goes might not necessarily be the way our senses want us to go, but we are wise enough to know that God knows the best way. So they, their instruction was keep your eyes on the ark and once the ark moves follow the ark because you have never been this way before our instruction is listen out to the spirit of god ask the spirit of god and be led by the spirit of god and once the spirit of god says go 
then make sure you go. Number five, and this is the last point, the pain of the new. I was listening to a message by um, Bishop T.D. Jakes called the rites of passage that really touched me. Um, the, the, the rites of passage, to go through, to go from one place to another, there are usually certain rites that we have to go through uh, as we pass from one place to another. And you know, I thought of the example of a child being born. You know, for, for the conception takes place and then the, the child starts to grow, the fetus is formed, the child starts to grow, the mother carries this pregnancy for um, usually around about nine months and then it comes to the time for the child to be born. It's interesting that the time is never determined by the mother. Uh, her body just decides it is time. Of course, you and I know it's not her body because bodies don't walk on their own. We know that according to the timetable of heaven, it is time for that child to come. I want to say that there's a timetable in heaven that concerns the birthing of all the things that we are believing God for. And I believe that for a lot of us, for, for you and I, that time is now. That's why God has called us into this place. There are things that need to be birthed uh, that, that the heavens have have decided this is the season for those things to be birthed. And once the time comes, the, the woman starts to have contractions. Uh, the, the water breaks, and then the woman starts to have contractions. Uh, and as she has con those contractions, the muscles of the womb are, are contracting and relaxing. That process is necessary so that the neck of the womb, the birth canal can open. The doctors will say that it, the, the neck of the womb dilates. And that is necessary for the child to come out. But those contractions are, are usually painful, as most women will tell you. Uh, the, but the pain is necessary. Doctors tend to tell the, the women to think of the pain as an ally. Who thinks of pain as an ally? But then if you understand what is happening, that this pain is necessary for this child to come forth, then you endure the pain. I want to say to you that when the new is being birthed, there's sometimes pain associated with it. But when you know that the pain is necessary for what is about to happen, you endure the pain. And that's on the mother's side. But then if you think about the child, the child for about nine months is living in this fantastic environment, amazingly comfortable. That's why when you see scans, you see children doing somersaults in the, in the mother's womb. They are really having an amazing time. I, I saw a scan and I could literally, I, I was certain that child was smiling in the womb. It's a very comfortable place. You've got this, this water around you. You're floating in it. It's like kind of sleeping on a waterbed. And then one day, that environment changes. The mother's water breaks, and this comfort zone suddenly is changed. All the water that provided some sort of cushioning effect around you suddenly disappears. Discomfort sets in. And then as the mother contracts, the child's space becomes smaller and smaller. It, everything starts to shrink. And then the child for the first time comes in contact with the mother's muscles. It's a rite of, of passage. If you ask the child, the child would tell you it was uncomfortable. Things change. I, I, I didn't like what it felt like, but all that was necessary for the child to be born. In the same way, a lot of times as we enter the new, 
there's some discomfort, some pain. We would rather it wasn't this way. And it depends on what it is. Sometimes the environment gets uncomfortable. Sometimes you're mocked and ridiculed. Sometimes your motives are questioned. Sometimes there's persecution. Oftentimes you will hear phrases like be reasonable, don't overdo things, aren't you taking it too far, are you sure you heard God? And sometimes these phrases are from well-meaning people, they want the best for you, but you have to say to yourself, I heard God, God spoke to me, and I'm going to endure whatever I have to endure for what is ahead. I love the story as I end of uh, the, uh, the father of our faith, Abraham. Genesis, the 15th chapter, the second to the sixth verse. So I just want to encourage someone, whatever pain, whatever discomfort you're going through, uh, whatever agony you're going through, and sometimes it's an agony or a pain of the mind, just the sheer effort to resist the lies of the enemy, to make sure that they don't take root, can seem agonizing, but just go through it and hold on to the word of God. What he has said, he will birth in your life, in your family, in this church and the nation, he will. As I end Genesis, the 15th chapter, verse, from verse 2, but Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you have, give, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I pray that will be your portion in this season that you will be able to say, and behold, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I pray that will be your portion. I love this story. I tell it so many times. It's a story that encourages me. Here was a man who was praying to God for something. God, this is my desire. God, this is my petition. God, I would love it if a son of mine could inherit all these blessings that you have given me. God, do something about this situation. How does God respond? He gives him a word and behold the word of the Lord came to him but he doesn't just give him a word this is what I love about God he paints a picture on his heart a picture that he will never forget as he goes through the next 25 years and there are many dark days in those 25 years as he's waiting for this promise to come to pass I dare say that that picture that God painted on his heart of that night as he looked up into the skies and heard the word of God where God said, said to him so shall your descendants be I am certain when when we get to heaven and meet Abraham, he will tell us that's what kept him going. I pray God will paint a picture in your heart that circumstances can't erase. Pain cannot erase. Suffering cannot erase. I have a picture of a revival in the United Kingdom. It cannot be erased by anything. Newspaper headlines, persecutions, whatever I said, the church is shrinking. All that can't erase the picture because God has painted a picture in my mind of a day when his spirit will be poured out on this nation, a day when righteousness will be elevated, a day when salvation will spring forth, 
a day when our cathedrals will be full again, a day when Sunday we will hear the sound of worship resounding in this nation. It's a picture that I just simply can't get rid of even if I try. I pray God will paint paint a picture on your heart, a picture for yourself, a picture of where he's taking you, a picture of what he will have you do. I pray he will paint a picture of your family, where your family should be. I have a picture for our family. I have a picture where every single person in our family is serving the the Lord, and we are not too far from it. We are at least 70 to 80% of the way there, but I believe it's going to be 100%. Everyone in this family, any child that is born into our family, and I don't just mean my family, I mean my extended family. They have no choice. We have locked them down by covenant. They will serve the Lord. It's a picture that I have. Let God give you a picture. I have a picture for Jesus' house, for the new things God wants to do in Jesus' house. I see it and I am excited. I am probably the most excited I have been in 25 years as I see what God wants to do with Jesus' house. I can't wait to share it. Those who are close to me have started hearing some of it. It's a picture that God has painted in my heart. I pray God will paint a picture in your heart so that when you go through the pain, you know that the joy is coming. Like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him, he endured the pain. May that be your portion and may that be your testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. These are exciting times. Join us in this birthing uh, process. Join us in standing before God and saying, God, your thoughts, your plans, your will, your kingdom be done in our lives, in our families, in the church. Jesus' house, in the church in this land, and in the church in this nation, in Jesus' name. These are amazingly exciting times. I am so excited to be alive at this time because I sense that God is about to do an amazing thing in our lives. God bless you. Father, we just thank you and we bless you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Now, there might be someone who's watched this and You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You haven't accepted him as your savior. Then a lot of what I've said won't really matter to you uh, because it is God birthing the new uh, and he's birthing the new into the lives of his children. But why don't you start with your new? Um, You have never given your life to Jesus. Well, why don't you make that your first step of the new coming into your life by accepting him as your Lord and Savior? How do you do that, I hear someone ask. It's very simple. The price has already been paid, as we will understand when we celebrate Easter. He paid an awesome price for a day like this. It wasn't cheap. He gave his life for it. He died on the cross for you. Uh, And so you don't have to pay any price, but all you've got to do is open up your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior. How do I do that, I hear someone ask. By believing what you're saying and by confessing it, by genuinely believing it and confessing it, and that's it. It's as simple as that. Why is it so simple? Because the price has already been paid. The hard part, the difficult part, the unimaginable part, has been done by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you're out there and you want to receive him, I would be privileged to pray with you. If you would just say the simple prayer after me, that's all you've got to do. Mean the words as you say this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I open up my heart and I receive your son, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I ask for the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you, God.
I turn away from anything that I'm doing that is sinful or displeasing to you. I commit myself to a life of obedience to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for receiving me into your family. By this prayer, I know that I am now a child of yours. I am born again today into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As simple as that. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We understand from the Bible that there's a celebration going on in heaven now just simply because you have said that prayer and you meant every word that you, that you said. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. 